0: Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Well, we come to our message today. We are in the book of Nehemiah again. We're in the second half of chapter 2, Nehemiah 2, verses 11 through 20. And as we look at our theme for this morning, it means that we must be honest about the need God has called us to address. And our ability to accomplish it can only be attained through his help. You realize that God's going to put you in a pool too deep for you that you're not going to be able to swim on your own. You're going to have to call out to him. And as I look at our church and how blessed we are and where God wants to take us, I know that where that place is, it's going to take his hand. Not only upon this church, but more importantly, the heart of every individual in the membership of this church. And so we see here that Nehemiah has come to the city, and now he has finally, with the king Artaxerxes, his blessings, he has come to the city to start his process. As we left it last week, some of the governors of that area where Jerusalem's walls had fallen, they, they were taking advantage of all the israelites and all those that were living there and so these governors had a lot of power they had a lot of authority they were named sanballat and tobiah and they they really did not like the fact that this new guy was coming in to fix everything well let's just jump right into the verse and when it when it comes time to putting action to your passion it requires us to do our research Or to do our homework. Let's look in verses 11 through 15. He says, So I arrived in Jerusalem three days later. I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. We took no pack animals with us except the donkey that I was riding. After dark, I went out through the valley gate past the jackal's well and over the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and was and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble, so though it was still dark, I went up to the Kidron Valley instead inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered again at the valley gate. And so what you see here is that the walls of Jerusalem the when the when the gates and the walls are up are they were specific gates for specific things. This is where they would take the garbage out. This would be the main gate. This is where the, the shepherds would, would bring in the livestock. They had all these different gates that had different purposes. So what we see here is that Nehemiah is basically kind of doing a semicircle to where he couldn't go any farther. And he was along the southern, the southern region of Jerusalem and those walls that were down. So he, he took a tour of the south <laughs> and then he went back because he couldn't go any further. I love this passage for, for many reasons, but first thing that we have to do when we have a vision, not only for our lives, but as we pursue the vision God is casting for Homeland Park Baptist Church, not only for today, but for years to come, as we pursue that, we must survey the damage that has already been done. And not say that we are a damaged church, but we are not what we were we are only what we are, and we have hopes and prayers of what we're going to be. Now, when I say that, I don't mean when I first got here. And still, some days we remember the good old days when churches like ours were were thriving. There, there wasn't a whole lot to do on Sundays except go to church, and so everybody went to church. And back in the '70s and '80s, and some of you remember when the mills. We're running, I mean, this place was packed, and then everybody said, oh, I remember those days. And look, I, I am grateful for those days. I've been in large churches before, and I understand the the excitement of that, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you that there is a, a honesty, and there is a um, connection here that, that quite honestly, some, some folks don't feel a lot of the times. And I, I don't want to be what we were. I want to be what God wants us to be, Period. Whatever that may be, and and maybe today churches, the trend is not the big churches that have the bowling alleys and the, the cafes, which that's fine if they have that. That's not a judgment. I'm just saying that maybe some of the grassroots elements of what God wants to use is a church like Homeland Park in a community like Homeland Park with people like you and I. You see... What Nehemiah did, what was the very first thing he did? If you go back and you look, Nehemiah found a few friends to help him put his plan into motion. You know, I pray often for God to bring a few to ride the walls with me of Holman Park Baptist Church. A few that will help carry out God's vision for this church but to do that, in doing our homework, we need to assess the situation. Nehemiah was wise to get a lay of the land. He had not presented anything yet, but he wanted to see what he was dealing with. So he went out without rousing concerns of those who were already in opposition to him. Like if he had gone to them and said, I'll tell you what, tomorrow morning we're all going to get up and we're going to ride the gates and we're going to see the damage. Do you know what would happen? Everybody that was opposed to him would have been there and told him not to do it or, or, or done something to kind of disrupt that process. So what he did is he just said, look, let's go out at night when nobody is around, everybody's sleeping, and let's get a good idea of what's going on. He, you know, if you've ever led groups or led meetings or led people or, or you, you're coming up with a, a presentation, I've always heard and always believe that you need to think of all the questions before they're asked. And that's what Nehemiah was doing. He was trying to think of any questions somebody would have, and he would be able to answer it. Now, that's not always the case. Sometimes there are questions that come out of left field. Uh, they say that there's no such thing as a stupid question, but I would beg to differ with that. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is that he was doing his homework. And it's important to do that. It says in Proverbs eighteen thirteen, it says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Some of us, we are guilty of letting our mouth shoot off before our brain has thought about what to say. That is a, it's not a spiritual gift. <laughs> that is a trap. And sometimes we need to pray before we say anything. And a lot of times, if we have the answers before we speak, we speak a lot less. Have you ever noticed if somebody doesn't know the answer, they start shouting? <laughs> or if somebody is wrong, they get louder and mad about the group dynamics. That's another sermon for another time. <clears throat> but Nehemiah surveyed the damage of the southern region of the wall. Nehemiah did not make a complete circuit of the walls, but only the southern area to see how much was preserved. You see, Jerusalem was always attacked where she was the most vulnerable, thus there was probably very little preserved in that direction. That's what would happen back in those days. If you found a city that had a weakness and you were a surrounding country or surrounding municipality, you would do whatever you can to take them at their weakness and take over that city. You see, Nehemiah showed himself to be a man of God when he obeyed the initial prompting of God's Spirit. Though Nehemiah had been given the authority to repair Jerusalem's walls, he wisely chose not to tell anyone his purpose or plan until he had seen all of the destruction. That way he can make an unbiased assessment of the situation. Though we may want to shout from the mountaintops what the Lord is calling us to do, the wiser thing is to be discreet until he releases an assurance so that we can share the vision of these things. Well, then here's the next thing. Be brutally honest. That's what they were doing. Look, if we are to to look at where Homeland Park is at, where we've been, what we're doing, and what we hope to be, and, I mean, we can look at the trends, we can pull the statistics, we can do all of these things, but bottom line, at the end of the day, we have to be brutally honest. And I would say, that we are more loving when we are honest about a situation where if we just tell people what they want to hear. There are churches that are closing every day because their members think that there is not a problem. we got to be honest. I, as I was putting this message together, I thought about the time when my dad was in critical care and the doctors were doing all they could do to get him better. I remember we would go in Sundays and the doctors would be smiling because he had, he had done better. And he had had a good day, but I remember one time a nurse told me, and it was just like an off-the-side thing real quick. She said, you know he's not going to get any better. <clears throat> Church, let me tell you something. I had, to, I had to swallow my pride because I was angry. The doctors were sitting here telling me that he was getting better, but the nurse said, you know he's not going to get any better. And I'll be honest with you, I was pretty upset with that nurse for saying that. And if you're a nurse, some of you have had to do those kind of things to give the truth. If you're a family member, sometimes you've had that health care worker that doesn't sugarcoat it and says, look, these are your options. Even as a pastor, I've got a friend that's a, a PA and he tells about some of the preachers that comes into his hospital. And look, I'm all for praying for healing. I'm all for praying for God to deliver, but There are some times when all you got to do is pray for God's will to be done and not give false hope. So this nurse said, you know, he's he's not gonna get any better. And unfortunately, that nurse gave me a big dose of reality. And as I look back now, I I do not I do not have any ill will towards that nurse that said that off the cuff. As a matter of fact, I'm thankful for it. Because although I was upset that she had said that, I also had to realize the fact, he's probably not going to get better. And the truth of the matter is, he did get out of ICU. The doctors did a fantastic job of getting him to a point to where he could go to another facility. But ultimately, in the other facility, it's where, where he passed away. You know what? He didn't get better. She was right. And I appreciate that now, as I'm in hindsight. And so what I would say is is that as we look at our church and as you look at your life and the passions and the gifts that God has given you, I hope that we don't look at rose-colored glasses and look through those and think that everything is rosy. At the same time, I don't think we need to be hypercritical of everything. I think it just needs to be an honest writing on the walls and seeing where we are strong, where we are weak, and what we need to do. And that's what we will be doing in the future. because. Jerusalem was devastated and lying in ruins and people like Sanballat and Tobias wanted to pretend that everything was okay because that's where they got their power. Their burden was to lie in their own pockets. Their burden was to, to keep their power. But Nehemiah wasn't burdened for their power. He was burdened for the lies of God's And my friends, if we are Holman Park Baptist Church and we say that we are burdened for the people down Key Street, down Hunt Street, down Main Street and all over this place, if we say that we're burdened for them, our actions and our operations will prove that. Right. There is great value in being honest about the condition of the task God has given us a passion for. The only way to progress is to begin to be honest and accepting Where we must start. You see, if people think they do not need help, they will be resistant to it when it comes. And I'm sure Nehemiah would have had plenty of people tell him, you know, I think this is what you ought to do. If it were me, what you would do, you know, you didn't ask me, but I'll tell you. And I would say, no, I didn't ask you. But, you know, anytime you do something, in hindsight, there's always going to be somebody to say, you know what you ought to have done. (laughs) Well, if I ought to have done it, then maybe you should have been here to help me do it to start with. I mean, there are are people like that and all they want to do is call out the problem, but they have no desire to fix it. The church in this world does not need you to only point out every problem you see if you don't have the desire to fix it. Nehemiah saw more at night than the residents saw during the daytime. And so, for Nehemiah, he saw the problems and the potential of what lies ahead. He saw the problems of where they were at, but the potential that we have, that they have. And I'm telling you, God has placed that in my heart. This church is full of potential and next steps. We God is not done with Homeland Park Baptist Church. He's just getting started. It's new and it's fresh and it's a vision that we're praying for that God will bring to us. Because there although we have our issues just like everybody else, there is so much potential I cannot stand it. Do you see potential? Do you see potential this church has? Or are you just comfortable where it's at? Are you satisfied with your Christian walk? Or do you think even as an individual in your walk with Christ, you have the potential for growth? Do you think God has a new truth for you that you haven't discovered yet? Do you think God may have a a new thing in your life that you haven't even thought about? Would you be willing to ride the wall with me for the purpose of seeing where we need to start? and how we can help. God has blessed me with wonderful people here at the church. All of you are wonderful. I tell people all the time how blessed I am as a pastor in the way that you love me. Most importantly, you love my wife. And uh, it is just a great conversation. But folks, I just don't want to spend all the time having a good old love fest if if there is something that we need to do that we're not doing. Because the truth of the matter is, Everything is great right now. But if you get individuals in the church on mission, personally and corporately, then we can see God do amazing things. And I'm not necessarily talking about numbers, whether the pews are full or whether we're struggling just to make ends meet week by week. But if we are doing what God has called us to do, He's going to bless it. Because where there is vision, there is God's provision. Provision. God's not going to call us to something to fail. And we need to get out of our mind that success is a number. Success is people who love God that are doing God's work together and making an impact to love God and love others. That is what the church is. So we also see in verses 17 and 18 that we need to rise and build. Build. Says the verse seventeen. But now I said to them, you know very well what the trouble we're in. Jerusalem it lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Can you hear the conviction in Nehemiah's voice? This is conviction, not so. It's not a conviction that everybody will love his plans. He loves his people. He loves the people of Israel so much that he risked his power. He risked his position. He risked his life to stand up before a pagan king and tell him why he was so downtrodden. And then God used that pagan king to back this work that he is doing. He said in verse 18, I told them about how gracious the hand of God had been on me and about my conversations with the king. They replied at once, yes, Let's rebuild the walls. So they began the good work. Here we have some problem solving 101. First of all, Nehemiah identified the problem to the people. Nehemiah reminded them that God was already at work. What he was saying is, look, God has already worked to get me here. So he's not going to stop now. God had given the pagan Babylonian king, Artaxerxes, the passion to not only underwrite this project, but to support him in the rebuilding of the walls. So what he's doing here, what Nehemiah is telling these folks, as he is giving this presentation that he has researched, he's saying, look, this is how God has worked, and I want you to join me in that. Some of you that have been around a while will remember a Bible study series called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, Claude King, and Richard Blackaby. It's fantastic Bible study. Life changing Bible study. And the tenet of that was find where God is at work and join him. Find where God is at work and join him. Let's quit doing say, Okay, God, this is my plans. Bless it. No, that's not the way God works. God says, I'm working here. Do you want to join in that? That's supported by John five, seventeen. It says, in his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. (laughs) My friends, God is at work here, and I don't want to miss it. I don't want you to miss it. Spiritual growth and renewal often begins with one person's vision. And people will work where they see God working. There are people, many of you in here now, that I tell people all the time, in most churches, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. That's just fact. 20% of the people give 80% of the budget. That's just what the statistics show. But for some reason, in Homeland Park, 80% of the people do 100% of the work. Most all of you in here have got at least a couple of titles. And if you don't, you're always doing things on the side to help. I have never seen a group of people that are so apt to jump in and help. And I do not take that for granted. But I'm telling you, the more that God works, the more people are going to see what's going on at that church, and they're going to want to find out. And I hope the first thing they see is a Savior that loves them. When, I, when we get together with preachers and they're talking about their churches and different things, And I'll say, yeah, we are blessed beyond measure because I have got parents and grandparents. They may come into the sanctuary two Sundays a month because they're supporting our children's ministries so that we can have them here. How do you do that? They say, I'm like, I don't do it. God is doing it and put it in their hearts. We've got something special here, folks, and I can't take any credit for it. Is God and God alone. So if you want to be a part of what God is doing, not only today and in the future, it's time for us to start praying and seeking and doing the homework and find the vision God has for us as individuals and for us as Holman Park Baptist Church. Because people will work where they see God working. And so if nothing else, the fact that all these people are working in our church is proof that God is at work. Not because I'm great, but because he is great and they're seeing him at work. Because I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. When God calls you to rise and build, he is bringing the people and the resources you need, sometimes even from the unlikeliest of places. You see, accomplishing God's work is not one person show. It's not a spectator sport. I don't need people to grade my sermon or I don't need people to grade our ministries or to evaluate the effectiveness of, of what this church does compared to another church. Comparison is the root of all evils. I mean, if we, if we start comparing ourselves to other churches, we may compare ourselves to another church and feel better about ourselves, but yet compare ourselves to a different church and feel totally bad about it. You know, some of you may compare my preaching to somebody else's preaching. I guarantee you, I do. And it's tough sometimes because comparison, you lose the joy of who you are. If we compare ourselves with every other church we've been a part of at Homeland Park, we cease to be Homeland Park. God is doing something specific and certain and fine-tuned just for you because you're here today. The third thing that we see is that no opposition can keep God's work from being accomplished. No opposition can keep God's work from being accomplished. 19 and 20 say When Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Wow. Here they go. Those that are threatened start to spread rumors and they start to question what Nehemiah is doing. As a matter of fact, what they're saying is now, hey, this has already been tried several times. What makes you any different? But he replied in verse 20, I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed We, his servants, will start rebuilding the wall, but you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. In other words, he's saying, you are not God's people. You are not my people. You can cause as much problem as you want, but we are either going to plow around you, or we are going to plow through you, with you, or without you. Nehemiah was discovering that his biggest problem was not the enemies outside of Jerusalem, but those who are within. Warren Weir'sby says that just as soon as God's people step out by faith to do his will, the enemy shows up and tries to discourage them. That is 100% true. Nehemiah's opposition was over political issues. Don't get me started how churches are fractured over political agendas, over cultural agendas. Where has the gospel gone? Where has Jesus gone? Oh, that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And we make that our stackpole, not our stance on certain issues that change every other week. Look, we need to take stands on moral issues, absolutely, as long as they are found within this Bible. But at the same time, if we spend all of our time standing on issues and not worshiping and proclaiming the biggest issue, which is the world needs Jesus, we might as well shut the doors. You can argue about what culture is arguing about but nobody can argue about Jesus. Why is that? Because Jesus is the authority and he'll take care of the arguing and defending all by himself. And the more stalling Nehemiah would have done in that situation is the more power that those three would get from the people of Jerusalem. You see, it's easy to sit back and try to destroy what God is doing. Why is that? Because it costs too much to join in. There are people that would rather smash what God wants to do because they don't want to be uncomfortable and be in a position where they're not doing what God wants to do. They would rather smash everything down to keep it like they like it rather than letting it become what God wants to be. And I'm not talking about anybody specifically in our church. I'm just saying this is what Nehemiah was dealing with. And so we're truly going to find God's will for our lives and our church and God's passion for our church. And whatever he wants to rebuild in our church, if we're going to find that, we need to accept that there will be people that will not be on board with that. And we need to love them. We need to hear criticisms to make everything that we have that's better. But then we move together. And if they want to move with us, they can. And if not, that is up to them. Because God is the only authority that we need. Nehemiah could have referenced King Artaxerxes backing the project, but all he did is he told them, God is in charge. And I'll go ahead and tell you right now, James Strickland is not in charge of Homeland Park Baptist Church. Our deacon is not in charge of Homeland Park Baptist Church. Y'all are not in charge of Homeland Park Baptist Church. Yes, We can have a business meeting. People can vote. Yes, we have leadership. Yes, we have all of these things. But ultimately, at the end of the day, God could add or remove to us any day. It is his church. And let's make no mistake. It has been his church, and it will always be his church. So as we close up here today, there are some steps for putting action to your passion. And this is not some slick Uh, list that I made up with human wisdom. This is just taking the text that we have talked about today. Number one, if you want to put action to your passion, do the research. If it's important enough to you to be passionate about it, you're going to put some work into it. The second thing, find others to join in that vision. I guarantee you, if God has given you a vision for something, he will bring the people to support you. Be honest about the need. Don't sugarcoat it. Be realistic. Don't. I never, <laughs> never forget. Many years ago, when I was, uh, we were looking to get a new vehicle, and a friend of ours was a car salesman at a used car lot. And so I brought my vehicle I was driving at the time, and I wanted to get a big pickup. So I took whatever I was driving, and I went there, and there was all these nice pickups, and I said, I like that one. He told me how much it was. I said, Whoa. Can you come off of that? And he said, "Dude, you're living in Disneyland." <laughs> he said, "There ain't no way you can afford this thing." And again, I didn't like that, but he was it was right, and he found something that that was that I was very happy with. But sometimes, if we live in Disneyland, so to speak, if, if our if we are not honest with what's going on, we we can't fix it. Nehemiah could not accomplish what God has put in his heart unless he had encouraged the lord 's people in the task, folks, none of us are in adventure in this adventure alone, and God wants us to walk it together. You think you showed up to church today just because it 's what you always do. You think you showed up to church today because it 's just what you do. You showed up today to church because the Holy Spirit was drawing upon your heart to be with him and His people. And if you are a member of Homeland Park Baptist Church, he has you here for a reason. And it's up to you whether you accept that or reject it. But every person in here, whether you are on the membership roll or whether you have been visiting for a while, God can use you. You're not here by accident. And I thank God for you. So as we come to our invitation time today... Many of you told me after after the church last week, were you mad? Why didn't you do an invitation? (laughs) No, I wasn't mad, I promise you. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, the invitation is always open to, to follow Christ. And I would challenge you, show me anywhere in the Bible where you see that you're supposed to walk down the aisle and shake the preacher's hand to become a Christian. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that I think we do it so many times if we become desensitized to the importance of it. Everybody focuses on what will people think if I walk down instead of thinking what will God think if I don't humble myself and walk down and just pray to Him and get help for what I need. How can my obedience to the invitation help somebody else it's on offense. Nobody thinks that. truth of the matter is, I could have done the invitation. We could have sung one verse and gone home, and nobody would ever thought about it. But I, I am not doing away with invitations. There is always an open invitation to experience Christ. And there's going to be an invitation this morning, and the invitation is this: Do you have a rebuilding faith or a critical spirit? Anyone can be a destroyer, but it's God's children who will choose to build. Nehemiah had a right relationship with God. That was his starting point. In the Old Testament, a relationship with God was established by a person's faith. Today, a relationship is established by Jesus, His saving work in our lives. And my invitation is this. 99.9% of you are professing believers in Jesus Christ. Some of you are on fire, and, and I could learn a lot from your, from your life. And then there are some that I hope, that's not the case, but I hope that there are some that have a form of godliness, but they have no power in it. The invitation is just as simple. If you want to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then you can come forward. I will pray with you and you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are God's own. And that is the starting point for finding the vision for your life in this church. Maybe you want to join this church because you realize after we're reading this stuff, man, God's about to do something here. He is. Not not because I'm saying it, because I'm just telling you, God's put it in my heart and the hearts of several people that God's going to, God's not done with us. Isn't that exciting? But he may very well want to use you to do it. So if you want to know Jesus Christ today as your Savior and Lord, if you want to join this church, or if you just want to come to the altar and pray about where your spot will be in the new days of Homeland Park Baptist Church, you can do that. So if you would, please stand as Donna comes and sings. Our hand